Welcome back to The Lives of Writers, a podcast presented by Autofocus, an online lit mag dedicated to artful autobiographical writing, which you can read today at autofocuslit.com and follow on Twitter and Instagram at autofocuslit. I'm the publisher and editor of Autofocus, Michael Wheaton. Today on the show, I talk with Bud Smith. Bud Smith works heavy construction and lives in Jersey City. He's the author of several books, including Dust Bunny City, Double Bird, and coming out next year from Vintage, the novel Teenager. His fiction has been published in the Paris Review, The Nervous Breakdown, and a bunch of other places. All right, let's get to it. This is my conversation with Bud Smith. About five years ago, I was still living in New York City. I was living on 173rd Street, and I was commuting out of the city every morning, um, going across the George Washington Bridge, going down to uh, um, an oil refinery in New Jersey most of the time. Um, it has other plants inside, like a plastic plant, an acid plant, and uh, just doing like various jobs in there, welding, rigging, and uh, working with a crew of guys to like build new units, maintain units, demolish units that just need to get torn down. And they pretty much had steady work for us, you know, 40 hours a week for the, for the year. And, you know, you pretty much get, you have steady work, which is kind of odd for um, working a, a union construction job. You know, you're supposed to, typically it's, you'll, you'll work a job six weeks, eight weeks, and then you might be off work for a month or two. And so you scramble around and you do all kinds of different things. So when I got into doing uh, construction, I always figured, well, this would be cool. I'll have, um, built into it, I'll have time to write and I'll have time to, you know, have, have my job where I, where I make my money and then I'll have time, downtime, relaxed downtime to work on my novels and stuff. And, uh, that, that was a little, true in the very beginning but then I, I, I found steady work and it was great for one reason but I, I had to kind of figure out how to do what I wanted to do and also work this demanding job physically demanding job so you know from reading you know your memoir work it was like you kind of got out of high school and it was like you knew you were gonna get into you know something with your hands and and kind of into construction and so you know back then you know you knew that you wanted to write even. So you must have been, you know, 18, 19, 20. Yeah. I've always liked to, I've always loved to read. And uh, I played in bands when I was younger and I was, that was very, it was cool to play in bands, real good creative outlet, outlet. But uh, as I got a little older, I, I wanted to do something just on my, on my own and something that didn't cost any money because, you know, you play in bands and all of a sudden you're, it just never ends. It's like, oh, if, if only I had this amplifier, and if only if only I had this, I need a different guitar, and then and uh-huh. you're gonna travel to go play music, and you're gonna do this, and it becomes like a a money sink. And I and I, I thought I thought, well, I, I I love reading and I love I love writing, and maybe I, if I just focus all my creative energy on um, on writing, that I might enjoy it more. And I might get more out of it. So, so that's what happened. Yeah, and I, I can I can relate to that. I actually I used to play, you know, in a band years and years ago. 
And then I was interested in writing, you know, before I was doing that, but kind of toward the end of it, when it all started falling apart, you know, that's when I really like got into writing and liked that I could be by myself and like could just be kind of like mine in a way. Yeah, that's that's how I felt with with writing. It was like, well, this is just something I can do alone. I don't I don't need any any money to do this. It's something that I can do with just a piece mm-hmm. of paper. And if I if I do great with it. It's just because I put the time in and had enjoyed to do it. and Yeah. And, and, you know, and I know, you know, you started writing on your phone a lot, you know, kind of like on the site and just kind of like whenever you could get it in. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it is there. Like uh, on this job site, uh, it's basically, I'd have like a, a pickup truck that I would drive around the, the whole plant in and we'd, we'd work different jobs in different places. But um, when, when it would be break time, you know, I'd go back for coffee break or lunch break and it's just the most like raucous place, <laughs> you know, to sit and eat lunch. And everybody, everybody's the funniest person you've ever met. And they tell the best stories, you know, I've ever heard. And it's kind of just like being around those kind of people. It's like just fills you with like energy. And, and I really grow to like appreciate what a good story is and how it's told by being around guys like that. And they just they're masters of it. And and. But the thing is, like, you know, it's it's impossible for me to bring in a laptop. It's impossible for me to bring in a notebook. If I bring in a laptop, all of a sudden, you know, some, somebody has it and they've, you know, they've drawn dicks all over it with a Sharpie <laughs> or they've, what's this, your diary? And they've, they've ripped up my notebook and all that. So it, it just became like middle school in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's middle school. And, and it, I, I love it for that. But I, I have this computer, this supercomputer in my pocket, you know? Mm-hmm. So just out of necessity, I just started uh, writing myself like long emails uh, of, I would write on my phone and send it as an email and just got in the habit of doing that every day. And, um, it's a, it was a little little hard to do it in the trailer with everybody else. So some some lunches, you know, you go, you sit in the truck by yourself, or you go go away to the machine shop for a little bit and write by yourself. And yeah, it's a little isolating, and you try not to do it too often because you, you want to be social and 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 not be uh not to be a punk, just getting mm-hmm. away from everybody. And then you know, they my coworkers would see me all the time on my phone, and they thought I was like a like a twelve year old girl like texting texting the entire time who are you texting i'm like no i'm i'm, I'm working on a <laughs> working on a novel right now and i don't mm-hmm. know if it's good but i'm i'm doing it that's one of the main things about writing on the phone is that it's so covert <laughs> you know yeah. like you can re- like you can really just blend in with anyone who knows you know what you're doing and you kind of feel protected in a way yeah well you're not you're not interfering with anybody if, if all of a sudden you know you're sitting there oh god forbid you had a a typewriter or something. <laughs> Imagine showing up to my job site with a typewriter. But I'm saying like <laughs> like a laptop, even just like writing longhand in a notebook. It's just you're very you're intruding on this comfortable space. You're like, who is this guy? What, what is it? What, what, what are you writing in your little in your diary there? You know. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, I know at the end of the day, everybody would like get on the line at the turnstiles, and they'd stand on that line to wait to punch out, and then they would get in their cars and they would try to get out of that parking lot, but they're stuck in there for like another. 10 minutes in this line of cars and I just said well like 10 years ago I just said I'm not going to do any of that I'm going to just sit in the trailer and I'm going to write for 25 minutes right right there and that's where 
probably most of my creative work has has happened yeah. just that do you find sometimes when you like really entrenched in a project that you have trouble focusing on your actual work or it's no. like your your physical work is so intense that it's like you kind of have to be present you have it. to be present for it and uh one of the only things i'm good at is getting in a flow state of, of just getting i can get lost in what i'm doing and i don't think or worry about anything else and it's that way with construction it's that way with you know doing creative work and it's not so much that um i think i don't think my work is exceptional or or there's nothing special about it but i do i have a little pride in the fact that when i'm doing it i can get i can become completely focused fairly quickly and so that helps me a lot it takes me a lot of a lot of drafts and editing and and think rethinking about something again and again and again until I finally land on um, I, I happily land on on a good spot with it. But it's it's you know it's just being it's finding a way to sit down and and get lost in it completely again and again. And I guess you know probably the pandemic complicated. You probably weren't able to work for a little while. Well, when the pandemic hit, March of last year. I was I was out of work for I guess five months or so, and then I wound up going back um, early September I think. Uh, I was back at on the job site and just picked right back up where it was, and uh, that was that was pretty cool just to you know be back among people again because I was uh, I was just home every day writing. Uh, I retyped my novel Teenager a couple times, and that was that was really helpful just to have that time to do that that time though it was just such a a burned down kind of feeling you know so like to actually do any any kind of really remarkable creative work during that year was it was doable but it, I, I didn't i don't really know too many people who did their best work <laughs> <laughs> last year you know yeah but i, I, I kind of like limped through it but it for me it's kind of like you know it feels like you're doing shit work and it, everything's going wrong but when you look back at something after a month of just okay you worked on this for a month with with everything you could give to it it's not as bad as as it should be or or it feels like you're not making any progress but it's all just that like coming back to it every day for even just 20 minutes i found that really helpful my uh my wife and i we were um we knew we knew this book was coming out we knew teenager was coming out and uh that it was pretty much you know, it had already been bought and it was ready to go. Um, it was just going to kind of be maybe copy edited a little more. We had all this time. And uh, she said, well, will you read it? Why don't you read it all to me? Because she, she just wanted something to do every night. So I said, mm-hmm. all right. So I started reading. She she asked me to read uh, 20 pages of it a night to her. So I was going to read the whole book to her. And the first night we did it. She said, oh, that was really good. But like, what about this, 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 and this? And she kind of gave me like some critiques. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had been uh, in the apartment a, a couple times when I had a uh, creative writing workshops here that uh-huh. I do. Uh-huh. So she sat in on them and she, and she heard how, how all the people talk to each other about the stories, you know, she, uh, <laughs> so all of a sudden she was giving me, well, the things I really liked are this, this, and this. She's like, but <laughs> I didn't like this and I didn't like that. And I was like, oh, this is pretty wild. She's giving me like <laughs> a really good workshop on this, the opening 20 pages of the novel. So the next day, middle, middle of the pandemic, I mean, this is probably like May, I think it was like May of that year. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I decided, well, I'm going to take that 20 pages with the note she gave me and I'll retype it on the typewriter. So that's what I did. And I like to do that because then I had it, I had turned it in, I had turned it from a laptop 
thing that I just printed out and it feels close to done, then into a, a typewritten page that was – you had to do something else to it to get it back. You had to retype it again back into the computer and I liked making that making that labor for it and it really helped me. Yeah. So, so we did that every night for uh, – I think it was like 14 nights. Reddit, she gave notes. I retyped the whole thing. And then I had a, just like 260 pages of typewritten teenager novel. And then uh, take a break, rest my hands, and do it all again back into the laptop. But as as I went along improvising and just really dreaming into it and trying to trying to still be radical with, with what it was and, and not just going through the motions of typing it. Like be a little bold with the uh, the choices because I always figured it'd be pretty easy for uh, the editor just to highlight a highlight a paragraph and hit delete, and then I see the track changes. But when when I'm looking at it, like uh, something typed on a typewriter versus like putting it back into the laptop, it was that whole like the whole thing if it wasn't exciting or if it wasn't something I I wanted to go through that labor of retyping, I wouldn't even bother. And that was a really uh, helpful way to edit, re-edit that book in like a radical way for myself. I'd always looked around my apartment and so many books on my shelves here are all just written so long ago and they they were all written this way. And I wondered, uh, I wondered what would happen if I did it. And I liked it a lot, um, but also I had the time. <laughs> yeah, so you hadn't done it before, really. Um, and I guess time will tell if you tend to do it, um, you know, again with the process. But I've continued to do it since mm-hmm. that story, Violets, that uh, yeah, the Paris Review took. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did it this way, too. Retyped it a few times on the typewriter back into the laptop. And I'm doing my new novel this way, too. It doesn't help me do anything quicker, but um, it seems like the work resonates a lot more with me and other people for some reason. Mm. It's just that extra, that extra time spent with it, I guess. I used to be in a bigger rush with everything when I was like younger, but now it's kind of like, I realized that I'm just really lucky to be able to have this thing I can go and do. And it brings me a lot of joy. And so teenagers coming out next year, right? And that's with, um, vintage, is it right? Yeah. It's coming out from vintage. So this is like your major label debut, huh? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, you seem to have had like a really kind of prolific output, you know, with indie presses over the last, you know, bunch, bunch of years. And, um, you know, it seems like, you know, the time's right. <laughs> and I love working with the right editors, whoever they are. And usually um, all, all, the, all the editors I've ever worked with in, in indie publishing were just like the shit. They were great. Like punk, just punk rock. Let's do this. You know, they, they taught me how to write. They taught me the, po- how th- the possibilities of uh, how to like shape a book and make it what it is. Um, the, my first publishers were these guys who were going to an MFA program and they just got, they had gotten drunk and decided, Oh, we're going to, we want to put out someone's book. So uh, I met them, uh, just through a funny set of circumstances in New Jersey and they, uh, they were going to put the novel out. I was just like, all right, well let's do this. And I wound up getting a, um, an audio recording of them having just a drunken argument about the book for like an hour and take that and then, <laughs> and, and take, take listen to it and, and take it to heart and try to try to make this thing into something. And, and then learning, uh, what, 
sentences can be from these guys who they were the ones spending the money to go study this stuff. I was just <laughs> digging a hole with a shovel or something. But I felt so lucky to be able to learn learn from people who were studying studying the real shit. I was like, wow, this is and I still feel incredibly lucky. I try to like I really t- I really take it seriously and try to learn from people because I just uh, I want to. I want to have like maximum fun with this shit. And I think if you learn how to, <laughs> if you can learn how to do it, the way other people, what they've mastered, and you can take a little bit from them, then you know you do yourself a favor. I think you find yourself through studying what what's possible. Otherwise, it would just be me writing the same stuff over and over again in the same style. Yeah, it's almost impossible to do this, you know, racket without other people. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> as, as, you know, as as um, as lonely as it can be sometimes, you know, on the page, I don't even find it lonely. I don't, you know, no, it's it's fun. For me, it's this very social act. It's 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 getting getting my friends together and my friends in the city um, when we when we get together and it's just if everybody's talking about books and movies and and I, and I leave I leave a hangout with 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 these guys with like a list of like incredible things to go check out and I feel very lucky um but yeah I don't know so so yeah the book the book's coming out with vintage I, I I'm working I'm working with this really incredible editor his name's Todd Portnovitz and he, he's just he's he's incredible um it's been, it's been a wild time. I was really surprised to see the, um, I always was a little worried about, you know, if, you know, small press where it feels like you can write anything and the content can be as strange and slippery and dark or whatever that I'd have to like, it becomes Walt Disney or something when it's coming mm-hmm. out with a bigger press. But my, my, uh, my experience was the opposite of that actually, which was surprising. Yeah. And so in a kind of, you know, the timing of, I think, I guess you finding out about, you know, the book being picked up kind of coincided pretty closely with um, Violet's coming out in the Paris Review, right? Around the same time? Yeah. It it certainly had the book getting picked up by Vintage, you know, just happened to, I'm sure that was a big thing, you know, just... Like oh that's this is weird. This guy who works at the trash burning power plant has has a, this story out. Um, so that that was a good that was a good thing, and uh, I still feel like it all didn't happen. You know, <laughs> it's a big deal, right? Getting that's like something that most people when they start out are like dream of getting something in the Paris Review, right? Yeah, I never did. Uh, I just thought it just like ludicrous, like getting something yeah, right? in there or like the New Yorker or something. That was never like one of my goals or anything. I had um, I had read that story at a bar, and my my friend, he was just like, "Hey, uh, do you mind if I send that out to the Paris Review or send it out to this?" And I was like, "All right, well, go ahead." So he he took the story and submitted it. Who's this? Who's this friend? Does he do this a lot? <laughs> well, he was he was working as a. Um, editing uh editing for a literary agent and i I had an agent at the time um who was really cool she was really wonderful and this friend of mine who who i'd see like once a week would go out to go to the movies go to operas and stuff real real geeky you know new york city people stuff we'd go do that and uh 
so he was working as an as an editor for this for this literary agent and he saw me read this story his name's michael mangiello and he, he said hey listen um i want to i want to send this out for you will, will you let me and i said oh, sure <laughs> so you kind of you know had to kind of make a decision like well do i stay with with the agent I have now who, who's really good, really cool, but who, uh, who maybe would have like no interest in like ridiculous things like that. Uh-huh. I've always kind of like, my friends are all ridiculous. My family's ridiculous. And this is such a good friend of mine. I was like, well, it's going to kind of be like work on my little brother. What's the worst that uh-huh. could happen? So he sent it out. And, and to my surprise, I got off a plane in California uh, about, two weeks before the pandemic hit, I got off at a, a plane in San Diego and there was the email. Oh, they, they want to publish a story. Wow. Like, get, get the hell out of here. <laughs> so that was strange. Uh, but yeah, you know, you just keep writing, keep writing stories and, and it doesn't matter who publishes or where it gets published. It's just this thing, this thing you do, this thing you do to keep yourself happy and occupied. Yeah. But you know, go back to what we were saying about it being such a social thing <laughs> under the guise of it being a writing, being a private thing. It really is a social thing. Cause you go out and you read and it connected and somebody yeah. wanted to work with you, you know, like that's how it happened. <laughs> well, that's how I always edited my stories. Uh, and one of the things I really loved about New York city living there, it was just getting, getting like getting yourself on the hook somehow for like, for these kind of things. Like there would be uh, literary readings at the, uh, at this bar, um, maybe like 20 minutes North of my house in the Bronx and kind of get myself on the hook of saying, all right, I'm writing, I'm writing a story that I, that I can read at this bar this Thursday night and I'm going to write it for the crowd and I'm going to write it. So it's, I can entertain these people who've been drinking and not lose their attention, try to keep it swift and, and have the content be something that, that really entertains them and, and captures their attention. And then it would be this thing where I, I wrote it and, and then, you know, you go and read it and you figure out like what, what kind of responses you get. And, and that's how I would, I would write my stories and my poetry just with, with the pe- people in mind. Um, I talked to my friend, Michael Bible about this recently where he was saying there's different kinds of writing and, and he thinks his writing and, and my writing are a little bit similar in just that we're, we're writing down like the stories you would tell at the bar, you know, and the, maybe the content's not all just bar stories, but I'm saying like anecdotes that maybe have some resonance beyond. It's not this thing you take into, uh, it's not this thing you take into a, just a, a classroom or, or a museum. It's this thing that's more suited for the family barbecue or the, the bar or, or something, something where it's, it's just got, it's got a little bit of a blurry edge to it. And, and hopefully you make somebody laugh or you upset them, but <laughs> it's not completely refined, but maybe it will become that way. Well, it kind of reminds me, you know, I mentioned earlier, that we would talk about Vonnegut <laughs> later, you know, as I mentioned to you, you know, in, in that email, I said, you know, that I had, you know, reading work, you know, on page one and two, there's, there's not like a Vonnegut all over it, but I felt like when I was reading it, I was like, I kind of, you know, something about this kind of reminds me of, you know, of, of Vonnegut. And then, you know, middle of the book, you bring up Vonnegut on like, <laughs> 
like three pages in a row, kind of like three different mentions. And I was like, I knew it. <laughs> and, you know, so I was excited to tell you that I kind of sniffed that out. Yeah. Um, well, the thing I always liked about him, um, he, he just reminds me of my relatives who were great storytellers, just great. You know, they could talk about anything and like you'd be like, and you think about it afterwards and you'd be like, that wasn't even a good story. Like, but it was so good when they told it. Mm hmm. And I, what I always liked about what I like about his writing, what I like about a lot of people who tell good stories is, is maybe they, they don't really have the biggest thing to say, but they, they know how to balance it in a way. Like if they're going to, if they're going to talk about something that's really heartbreaking, they're also going to make you, they're going to make you laugh during mm -hmm. it too. Cause they have to, you know, it's like, there has to be that balance or otherwise you're going to lose them. And that's, that's what I like about about him and people like him, like Scott McClanahan, like do do that so well, that oral, oral storytelling thing. But like you look back at it later and you're like, what was that story? What was the point of that? But <laughs> it, it all adds up to something you can't quite put your hands on. That's kind of how I feel about a lot of his books where it's like, after I'm done reading it, like I can't even tell you what some of it was about. Not yeah. because it, not because it's confusing, but it's yeah. like because I'm so kind of into the tone and the voice that it's like I would just read him talk about anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Like it's some of my favorite things of his are like, in a way, like non literary things, like letters and and uh, you know we we both kind of mentioned in the in the email like the um, prologue to Slaughterhouse Five, you know, where it's just like him kind of taking the barrier of fiction down and he's just like, he's just talking to you on the page. <laughs> he's got this thing in the, in, with that prologue where it's like, okay, here's the page one of my masterpiece. And, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know how to do it. And it, it was really hard. And, and I torn this up thousands of pages of this and it's caused me all this anxiety. And, um, I didn't, I didn't know how to write this book. And so it's just him like talking at you about calling people drunk on the telephone. And you start to realize it's like, it's like you're getting a call from him late at late in the middle of the night. He's drunk on the telephone and you're reading it. And it's just like, you like keep falling farther into it. And it's like what I just said, he's, he's, he's writing about like the atrocity of massacre and this, this, he's writing about how hard it is to write this book about people being firebombed. And before he even gets to the content of the book where he ha he does it in a different way, like he does that balancing act of like in, in Slaughterhouse Five, you know, you, you're just writing about World War II, people just getting burnt alive. So you have to balance, you have to have these aliens show up who are like shaped mm -hmm. like plumber's helpers. You have to have this like wacky thing to take the air out of it. Otherwise, it's just going to be like so overwhelming. And maybe like, some other writers can just look that right in the eye and, and they'll just, they'll just say, no, this miserable thing, I'm going to force you to reckon with it and we're not going to look away. But a guy like Vonnegut, he, he just wants, he wants the reader to be comfortable and he wants mm -hmm. to be their friend. And yeah. he's like, this is hard what we're going to talk about. So, I mean, I'm going to have to make you laugh about something different. I'm going to have to give you something different to laugh about so you can just, settle in and relax because otherwise it's just going to be really painful. Uh, yeah. And of course there's some writers who I think when they look that and that stuff in the eye, they're just incredible in a different way, you know? Mm -hmm. 
tell me, you know, a bit more about kind of, you know, your everyday, you know, life now. So you're not in the city anymore, right? Or in New York City or in, you're in Jersey now. That's where you're living. Yeah. It's just waking up maybe like five o'clock in the morning and, um, you know, just get out the door, get on the road, get to work. And if I'm there a little early, um, do some reading, do some writing. Everybody shows up. We laugh, try to have fun for a little while. We go out, we work. It's coffee break, back to work, lunchtime, <laughs> back and to some, work. Somewhere in there you try to write if you can. If I can. You know, I only do it if I'm really into it. Uh, I'm not like one of these religious people where I have to do it every day. I, I get obsessed with working on a project and and uh, I, I will work almost all I can on something, you know, and that's what I said with that. Like, I, I feel very privileged that I, I, I'm able when I'm obsessed with something, I'm able to slip into it. And if I have 10 minutes to steal, I can just have 10 minutes and just write, write something and I'll figure it out later and make it better. Yeah. But, um, that's how I make it work for myself. Just having this, having a day job like I do where I, I have to do this work. And in the evenings I come home and maybe like, uh, take a nap honestly <laughs> go <laughs> go to sleep for a while wake up and uh if if i if i'm lucky i can write write for write and edit for a couple hours in the evening or um teach i've been teaching uh creative writing for two years now uh, so i do that and then uh, you know most of the time it's just a few nights a week sitting sitting in front of the stereo laughing and drinking beer with my wife yeah that sounds good she's amazing and just like she makes me laugh. She's like the funniest person I know. So it's just like, I don't know. It sounds very selfish, but just doing everything I want to do. Um, hey, <laughs> that sounds pretty good and enviable. Um, it's all so simple. You- it's all simple yeah. shit though. You know, it's like kind of realizing that like there's only so much money. There's only so much time and just kind of be happy with less be happy with what you have and try to like really make it count because otherwise you're just going to be miserable. It's like that whole thing you were saying before about like, like, yeah, it's crazy. Paris review took my stupid story, but like it, it's never something that was like bothering me. You know, I wasn't like, like, Oh, I need this to prove. I don't mm-hmm. care. I don't care about any of that stuff. And if it happens organically, that's nice. Um, but if it's something you can work towards a lot of things in life, but the truth is, Making art and making time for art is usually the thing that goes first. You know, we mm-hmm. it's fucked up. Like to to feel like your happiness has to hinge on your like. I mean, the success of it is is tough, but like, it's just all got to be about like how it feels to be to, to have self expression, and how it maybe feels to for me to become social with it with other people and to. I hate to say it, it sounds corny as hell, but like delight in their work, talk about their work with them, share my work with them. And doing these things like when me and my friends get together once a month and we've like read our stories for the month and we when we sit around and we like talk for three hours about what we hated in their stories and what we loved. And I know those guys are going to take that to heart and they're going to like go and try as hard as they can to – make it better. And, and I'm going to do the same thing with my story too, that, but I think a lot of times what happens with, uh, with art is it's really hard to, 
to figure out like where you end and, and where other people begin with like, what is the, what is the point of it all? And does it matter if people like it or not? Mm-hmm. Really doesn't. But like, I'm just always like, shit, I can, I know I can do a better draft of this thing. Let's try it. <laughs> Let me try it again. <laughs> it only takes me six hours to retype this stupid thing. <laughs> just a nice weekend day, you know? Yeah. But I don't have, I don't have kids or pets or anything. Yeah. And, uh, and if I, if I did have kids or pets, then uh, I wouldn't, it's okay. Uh, the writing thing is just what I, what I do now. And I'm always waiting for it to go away. Uh, I'll be fine with that too. And what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, it's like when I was younger, I had, uh, I had other things I was really into doing. And then one day, you know, you just, you realize, oh shit, I used to draw all the time. Yeah. And I, you know, I was so into that. And then one day it was just like, oh fuck, I haven't drawn anything in like so long. Or like I used to just obsessively play the guitar and write songs on on the guitar. And then one, and it was all I cared about. And I can really relate to that. (laughs) It's like Chris Cooper in the, in adaptation, you know, he's just like, one day I just turned my back on the ocean. I said, fuck fish. And and you're like, (laughs) I never set foot in the ocean ever again. And so like the thing with like creativity is, uh, you just do it for yourself and, if if it's if it's something that if you find yourself on the right path with what you like to do with your creativity it's its own reward right which is, which is a, the corniest thing ever anyone has ever said but i do believe it but it's true, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. It's true. Yeah. I mean if you don't believe that then you probably haven't been trying to do it for that long because you know you would have just stopped a lot, <laughs> a well, lot of people, a I, lot of people do maybe I, saner people <laughs> i love to i love to quit things i love it well, quitting things is one of my favorite <laughs> things to do and um yeah if i, if I didn't like to do it i would quit yeah, and, but I am waiting just for the day when it's just like, like you know, you get into bands and you're like, you wonder like why all of a sudden like album six sucks so much. You're like, damn, these guys are so good. <laughs> but you know, you realize like, oh yeah, oh Eddie Vedder didn't have anything to say. Yeah, <laughs> he had nothing to say. He just he maybe had like half of something to say, and he ran out of juice. You know, three quarters of the way through the first album, and you, you kind of like you realize that at a time that um well that's just how it goes sometimes but I, i'm always i've been inspired by like people like uh the writer steven dixon who's become like a new mm-hmm. kind of hero hero of mine in the last last few years um one of my friends just like a steven dixon fanatic so he was always talking about him and i started reading his books is that oh, um joseph grantham I, I listened to his interview with him actually. oh yeah yeah joey grantham who's like um one of the most well-read people I know and thought one of the most thoughtful guys I know. But like the thing with Stephen Dixon is like he would write about his own life in a way that feels really reckless. Like he writes about the people around him with a lot of care, but he doesn't he, – he'll, he'll, talk, he'll talk about things where you're like, I, I can't believe – I can't believe he's talking to, I can't believe he's going there with this. Candid, candidness and confession kind of. Confessional kind of stuff where you're like, this is so wild to, to go there. And you realize like, shit, I mean, if you're going to write, if you're going to write about your life, you got to go, you got to at least try to, to go there. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping if I get a little older, I have, I grow the uh, <laughs> intestinal fortitude to, to, to go more in that direction because I think some of my writing now is still younger than I am, 
you know, some of the work I'm doing now mm. is still younger than I am. Mm, that's, in, what, that's interesting. What do you, what kind of, what, what do you mean by that as well? Uh, I think you, I think you catch up to yourself a little bit with, I'm, I always seem to be writing about how I felt five years ago <laughs> because I, I have the distance from it and I can kind of look back at uh, what, what the experience was and like how it felt and, you know, write, writing about myself five years ago, I'm like, I'm still like, oh, you know, I was still a cartoon character. But <laughs> I, I think when uh, <laughs> probably when I'm 45 and I'm writing about myself now at 30, at 39, I'll, I'll still be saying that that goddamn cartoon character, <laughs> you know, when's he going to become human or at like 60 or something? I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think I've ever been satisfied looking back at <laughs> Like in age I was, I'm always like, I feel like I'm okay at the time. And then five years back, I'll look, I'll look back at myself and be like, what a fucking goon. Yeah. I think it's really, it's really good to have that view of yourself. If you can laugh, if you can laugh at yourself and, and I know, I mean, sometimes it's, sometimes it's, you know, you got to have a little bit of uh, self-respect, but, <laughs> but a lot of times it's, I respect oh, myself in the moment, but I don't afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. My, you know, my Amazon review of myself, one star, give myself one star. So I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get my money back, I'm trying to get my money back for everything I ever did to myself for myself. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, what are you working on now? Kind of how many things, um, any memoir? Any more memoir? Are you still kind of in fiction? Actually, I think I think I I I, I heard you read poetry before. Yeah, yes, I've been. Uh, I, I kind of started out started out po- with poetry with short stories, and um, I've just continued to do that. You know, continue to write poetry, continue to write short stories. I haven't been in like a big rush to uh, to put out another book of poems uh i've just i love love to write them they're some of my favorite things to write and some of my favorite things to read uh if there's a reading and and i can i'll read poems over anything i think and some of my short stories are really um they're really like a little bit more lyrical like have like a poetic logic to it rather than like a narrative logic the the ones i like to read out at uh like bars or whatever but um yeah so i i have I have a book of poetry done. Uh, I don't. I don't know what, what I'm gonna do if I'm gonna like send it around or anything. I'm just kind of. Uh, I've been working on. I've kind of decided this year and next year, they're gonna be like years of like novels. I have a novel I'm working on now, which is. It pretty much picks up where work work ends, the memoir, and it's it's still all about my family. It's about my wife. It's about me, where we live, my job how it intersects with the creativity that I do. So it's, it isn't, it is very autobiographical, but um, it's kind of like taking everything that, that happens in real life and writing about like the feeling in like a abstracted way rather than complete reality. So there's a lot of um, plaus. It's plausibly rooted in a realist fiction, but it's, it's absurdist too. So I've been working on that. I've been having, a really good time doing that and uh short story collection the one uh there's a there's like i think last year i wrote a i wrote 12 long stories like violets they're all violet violets is like i think maybe like 4500 words or something but every i wrote a story every month last year that's like 
four, five, six, seven, eight thousand words, and they're all in that same mode where they're um, pretty, pretty rooted in a realism kind of thing, and they and they have their love stories, most of them, and they have to do with people kind of breaking away from society in one way or another. In uh, I don't know, um, every once in a while, somebody somebody says to me something about like. Oh man, I love your crime fiction, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I love I love any genre stuff, but uh, I've always like, I'm always like, yeah, you know, that is true. Like, I guess if you're, you know, you're writing stories about people who are burning their house down or shooting their mom, shooting their mom and dad's parents or whatever it is, it all becomes. I feel like there's a difference between crime fiction and fiction with crime in it, right? Yeah, I think <laughs> I think probably the the stuff where it's like more rooted in the genre is stuff that interests me when it's done like really cool. Like uh, I'm just like a big Faulkner fan anymore. Like the way, like you'll be reading one of his books and all of a sudden there's a car chase. You're like, why is there? Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. It was getting boring. That's cool. He put a car chase in this, you know, (laughs) it's like, Oh shit, this house is haunted. You know, whatever it is. Like the guy, the guy was like, he just wanted whatever his deal was, but he, you know, he wanted you to, uh, he wanted you to be entertained. I think some, I think some literary fiction, um, I'm guilty of writing some of it myself too. It's, you know, it's like, ah, I don't care if you're having, having a, an experience here. You're just supposed to kind of like, you know, it's all about this character undergoing this change. I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> can, can you do it faster? Can we, yeah, can we change in the middle of a car? Yeah, can we change in the middle of a car chase? Something like that. All right, that's my conversation with Bud Smith. You can check out more about him and his work at his website, coolgoodluck.com. And that's it. All right. Until next time.